0: Hey guys, this is The Gathering Podcast. Really glad you've decided to check us out. We have teachings from Sunday mornings. We have what we call cold reading, where we read scripture that we'll be looking at this coming Sunday. And occasionally we'll have a testimonial or an interview with somebody who helps with the gathering. Hope that you enjoy this. And let's dive into today's content. So this morning... It's not really like a series or anything, but it's kind of the beginning of the, the Christian calendar. Liturgical churches tend to have these core concepts that they want to hit from the very beginning of the year before we get too far along into you know Easter and things like that. And we started talking about covenant, and then we looked at baptism, or maybe it was baptism and then covenant. My weeks blend together sometimes. Um, but today, we're looking at... I, I, it kind of could have gone before any of this other stuff, but it's kind of about calling. And I know calling is, it's like a weird word that, that kind of only means something in the church, but people get callings outside of church also. Um, you know, some people feel like they're really called to help, you know, in, in public planning or, or, you know, I'm, I'm gonna, I, I feel like I'm led to work with students and, and it might become a vocation, it might become a job, something that they do. It might just be a passion. It might just be something that they they help with as a volunteer or things like that. But I want to look at Jesus at the beginning of his ministry. So we're going to read through uh, the book of Mark, chapter 1, verses 14 through 20. So Mark, chapter 1, verses 14, uh, verses, I'm sorry, verses, it's not 14 chapters. So chapter 1. Verse 14 through 20. So I'll give you a chance to get there if you've got a Bible, if you've got an app. Go ahead and pull it up. It's great to highlight these things if you want to look at them later. But I'm reading out of the ESV. It looks like it. Okay, now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the Gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled, the Kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the Gospel. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, He saw Simon and Andrew the brother of Simon casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen and Jesus said to them follow me and I will make you become fishers of men immediately they left their nets and followed him going on a little farther he saw James the son of Zebedee and John his brother who were in their boat mending the nets and immediately he called them they left their father Zebedee and the boat in the boat with the hired servants and followed him so there's kind of two big parts of this message that I want to talk about. The first one I want to talk about is Jesus starting his ministry. And, and Jesus starting his ministry kind of flies off the backside of a really kind of horrible event for us as followers. It says that after John was arrested... So who is John? John's the the Baptist. He's the one who's been dipping people in the water, telling them to repent, telling them to get ready because the Messiah is coming, the kingdom is at hand, and then Jesus shows up and he appears. And right as Jesus is going to get started with his ministry, his number one advocate gets thrown in jail. So it's kind of like, oh my gosh, you know, what a way to start, you know, the whole ministry with if you if you advocate for Jesus, you're going to get in trouble, you know. And and John has kind of a personal vendetta put against him by one of the kings who he had been he'd been rebuking. He'd been telling him, "Look, the way you're living isn't right. What you're doing isn't right." And, you know, people don't like that. They will, you know, either beat you up or they'll cut you out of their life. Uh, In the case of this guy, he was like, I have all the power in the world to throw you in jail. So I don't like what you're saying. You're going to jail. So John gets arrested and Jesus comes into Galilee and he starts proclaiming the message of God saying this. He says, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And so there's a couple of things that I want to unpack from the Old Testament. And I'm going to try not to make this boring. I'm going to try to be very relevant, and I'm not going to give you the whole spiel because we could go here for a while. But there's two things that we need to talk about. Number one is the kingdom of God, and number two is the gospel. And, and this actually has a meaning to the Jews that would have been reading this because this is, this is an important thing to remember, that the Bible wasn't just written for us in the 21st century, but it was written to a specific audience 2,000 years ago. And when we see words in here, They do mean something to us, and especially if we grew up in church, we recognize certain words and like, oh yeah, I know what that is. But they also have a meaning that this author, and you know, I don't know where these guys were as far as like IQs, but these guys had to have been super smart because a lot of this writing is so, I mean, I don't want to throw around words like an expository paragraph only because my wife was telling me about my students wrote an expository paragraph. I was like, "How did they exposit? Please tell me." You know, but like when I think of things like that, I think of how smart this stuff is written and how how it's laid out is almost like man, you know, it's amazing how God used these guys to to tell this story. And and when you think about it, these guys didn't have a lot of other distractions. It wasn't like ah. Oh, I had a long day tending the sheep. I'm gonna go sit on the couch and play Game Boy, you know, or turn on the UFC fighters. whatever. I didn't get to watch it last night, you know, but um, I heard that the guy that was supposed to win didn't. Um, but anyway, like they they all they had were these stories, and all they had were, were you know this this time to just to to read them and, and to hear them and to to think about them. And and it's kind of a good thing. I love technology and I love how fast I can email or I can have all my notes and all my stuff on my phone. But, but sometimes technology just, it does so much of the thinking for me that, you know, I don't really get to appreciate the depth of thought that goes into this. So what I'm getting at is there, when we see this part right here, where Jesus has come in and he says, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. It takes us back, if if we were these Jewish people or these people reading this, they would have recognized two big themes from their Bible, from their scriptures, that meant a lot to them. The number one was the kingdom of God. They had this belief that way back in in, the the early days of the Jewish kingdom of Israel, um, they were doing really good. And then all of a sudden they started doing bad, and they had bad king after bad king, and then they got attacked by a nation, and they got attacked by an empire, and they got enslaved by an empire. And, and when Jerusalem, the city is destroyed, the place where they believed the kingdom of God would, would take place, where it would reign, when it's destroyed, there's only a few survivors left in the kingdom, in, in the city. And, and they're wondering, what has happened? Has God abandoned us? It, is our God not that powerful? And, and they start thinking, you know, what, the, what is going to happen next? And, and there's a watchman, and this is from the book of Isaiah. There's a watchman who's looking, and he sees a messenger coming. And, and the messenger's running from a long, long way off, and he finally gets there. And, and the, the, the book proclaims, how beautiful are the feet of those that bring good news. And so the kingdom had been lost, and now all of a sudden, there's good news that's being brought. And that good news is the same word that gets translated into the word gospel in, in our Bible. And so this theme of a kingdom that was torn away and good news coming is very relevant to them. And and what the, the messenger was bringing was a word from the prophet saying, the good news is, is that God is not done. That just because the city is destroyed and, and your hopes and your expectations aren't met... God is not done here. He is going to bring the king back here. And he's going to reign. And he's going to do all of these other incredible things. He's going to set the captives free. Because remember, Israel had just been, a lot of Israel had just been taken captive. And so he's giving them good news after horrible, horrible news. You know, that our city's destroyed, our hope, our walls. Because back then, you know, th- there wasn't as much, I don't want to say mutual respect because it's still still a struggling place in our society. But you just didn't have to worry about a roving band of, you know, warriors coming in and destroying your city. You know, we definitely don't worry about that today. I mean, are we looking around expecting, like, you know, Utopia to just come from the mountains and just sack us? You know, it just doesn't quite happen. I mean, maybe Utopia's brewing up there. But... Um, Anyway, back then, your city's walls meant everything, because if you had walls, they, they, they could come up and be like, oh man, they got walls, let's leave, you know, we're going to go find somebody that doesn't have walls. And so the walls of Jerusalem are torn down, the king is gone, the guy who, who's supposed to be smart enough to make all the decisions and, and to lead them, he's gone, and the army's gone, and it's just a bunch of just, you know, survivors, a remnant of people who remain, and they're wondering, what's going to happen, God? What are you going to do? How are you going to do this? And this messenger comes with the word from the prophet. He says, God's not done. The good news, the gospel is brought. Now, flash forward over here to where Jesus is is coming in, and he says, the kingdom of God is at hand. The time is fulfilled, meaning God is about to do something here. He's about to do what he said with that old prophet. And it's through believing in the gospel So, understanding that it's here and it's now is important, but what next? And that's exactly what goes into the next verse. It it may seem like it's just like, okay, this is just kind of randomly or, or just chronologically thrown in here, but the message that believe in the gospel, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, is followed immediately by Jesus calling his first disciples, and this call for the disciples isn't just for us to look back and say, Wow. Jesus really expected a lot of these guys. When he sees them working and says, Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And they just do it. They just drop everything and they're like, you know what? I'm supposed to feed my family, but apparently I need to follow Jesus. You know, this this is heavy. And and it and it's understand that that the gospels, there's there's four different accounts, and, and a lot of them have more details. And and you see that, that this is the point of the story isn't the detail of them just dropping everything and leaving them. The point is they were called. A calling was given to them. And in other accounts of the gospel, you see Jesus staying with them, having dinner with them. He's been in this area for a while. And it's not like he just was like, okay, come on, we're going to go to Ethiopia and I'm going to train you down there and then we're going to come back. I mean, he's in this area and he's there with them and he's calling them to come and follow him. And he says, let me make you fishers of men. And and that's important to understand because they had been casting their nets into the sea. And and most of us, when we talk about fishing, you know, we've been raised up here on the rivers. We're thinking bass fishing or catfishing. And, you know, you're casting a pole out there with a bait and you're going to catch one fish. And, you know, we only use cast nets for like, casting, like catching minnows and stuff. But that's how these guys caught fish. They would throw this huge net, I mean huge net, out there. And it would catch, you know, hundreds of fish. And they would pull them up and and some fish they would want and some fish they would say, oh, that's ugly fish, you know, throw it back. And so when we think about what Jesus is calling them to, to make them fishers of men, he's calling them to take their net and to cast it in their area. And, And yes, Jesus did have a very specific task for these disciples. And there are some people that he has very specific callings telling them, I want you to go to this place. Or I want you to do this thing. But that doesn't eliminate the fact that Jesus calls all of us. And he wants us to take our nets. And and he wants us to find our sphere, our place. And and be a witness to this good news. To tell people about the kingdom. And, And telling them doesn't mean that you need to be able to, you know... Know how to lead somebody to Christ through, you know, a 12 step, you know, program that that starts here and and ends with this prayer or things like that. It, It means that we are the living witness, that we are called to share the gospel. Do your words share the gospel? Do they share that Christ is the Lord of your life? Do your actions do that? Or does it feel like money is your Lord? Does it feel like your time is your Lord, your job? your hobby whatever you want to put in there and it is a challenge that we do need god's grace in to realize that that we're all still growing we're all still being sanctified but this calling is for everybody and it does take us from some stuff and and jesus's words aren't aren't meant to be confusing here in that if i follow jesus you know, the next group of brothers, they didn't just leave their business, James and John, they left their father to follow Jesus. And, and a little bit of background, but, but not to, I don't want to dilute what Jesus is saying too much, but for these guys, it would have been the greatest honor to have a rabbi come up to them and say, I want you to follow me. Because at this point, if you're a fisherman, you have, you've kind of fallen out of the grace of becoming a rabbi or following somebody like this. It wasn't just like all of a sudden one day you'd say, you know what, I'm gonna take some night classes and I think I'm gonna be a rabbi. You know, it, it didn't happen. You were set in your stone and, and you were, where you were at this point was where you were gonna be for the rest of your life. That may be something very similar that you struggle with. and And maybe not necessarily in the sense of a position because we know that we can change if we work hard enough, if, if we get the right education, if, if we find the right network, we can change our life, we can change our circumstances. But maybe you feel like, I am who I am and that's all I'll ever be. I have an anger issue. I, I, have, I have a jealousy issue. I have a pride issue. And it just seems like a weight that's always going to be with me. And Christ is calling us out of that stuff. And he's saying, leave that stuff behind and, and James and John, I don't know how they dealt with it other than they had a chance to go do something great with their life. And and a lot of people don't realize that following Christ, that surrendering to him is the greatest thing that you could ever do. Because they tend to think that, well, if I surrender my life to God, that must mean that I'm going to you know, have to go to Bible school or become a pastor or a preacher or something like this. There are plenty of people that Jesus called or, or he saved and then said, stay here. <laughs> and that maybe can be harder because like there's a demoniac that, that Jesus um, rebuked the demons out of him and, and he wanted to go. And, and this guy was known for just running around, destroying things and hurting himself and yelling and living among the tombs. And you, you can imagine if you had that reputation behind you, you might be like, please take me with you. I don't want to be here. Everybody knows the old me. I don't want them to see, you know, I don't want to deal with that. But maybe that's exactly where Christ needs you to be. He wants you in that place. Not because anything special of yourself. Maybe he wants people to see how he works in your life. And maybe it's not that he wants them to say, oh man, all of a sudden Sam is perfect. He went away and obviously became a way better pastor and musician than he was when he was here in high school. That must be how God is working in his life. Sometimes sometimes God wants you to be there so people can see how you deal with your brokenness. How you deal with the pain in your life. Because the truth is, we will all have brokenness. We will all face pain. But as Christians, we can take that to the cross. We can take that hurt to the cross. And, and even the way God deals with it. He may not just be like some magic genie and all of a sudden fix our situation around us. He may actually have us go through that suffering and make it through the pain and and depend on him even more. I was reading a devotional this week and it talked about, does God want to hold things back from us? Does he keep back the good things? Because the scripture says that a, a good father doesn't hold back the gifts that he's supposed to give. And the Psalm says that he wants all good things for us. Even in Romans says he works for the good of all those who love him. But then when we find ourselves in a situation where we need healing, where, where we need financial aid or we need some help in the, in the bank account, or we find ourselves with a broken relationship and we're asking God to step in and do something and he doesn't, that, that doesn't mean that God doesn't want good things for us. It must mean that the things that God calls good are different than what the world calls good. It doesn't mean that that we're not to enjoy when when you have, you know, money in the bank or when you have health. Those are good things, those are blessings from the Lord. But we can't get so caught up in following God means that all of a sudden XYZ is gonna fall into place. It may continue to get worse. It may not change. Paul prayed constantly for God to deal with an issue in his life, to deal with a thorn in his flesh, which they, they debate all kinds of things on, on whether it was an illness or whether it was somebody that was following him around, heckling him, but whatever the the thorn was, and it's probably left so, you know, ambiguous so that we can understand that that thorn doesn't, doesn't meet just a certain criteria, but that we're all going to face things in our lives. Three times they said, I prayed, God, take this away. Deal with this issue in my life. And if there's anybody I think that God would answer the prayers of, it would probably be the Apostle Paul. Other than Jesus, Apostle Paul, it's like, yeah, his prayers are getting answered, no matter what they are. <laughs> and yet he said, God said, no, nope, my grace is sufficient for you. Now, that doesn't mean that you can just deliberately sin and be like, God's grace is sufficient for me. You know, that's not true repentance. That's not true Relationship. You know, if, if I love my wife and cheated on her on Thursday and then came back and asked for forgiveness and the next week cheated on her again, it's like, I don't think that would be real real love or real repentance. And yet somehow we think the same thing is okay with God. Now, obviously our sin can be something that that is like a pattern. It is like an addiction. And you may need to work through it. And, and you may have to crucify your flesh More than daily, if that's the case. But the calling is for all of us. The calling to follow him is for all of us. And for some of us, it will be, follow me into Africa. Follow me into ministry. Some of us, it may be, follow me into the oil field. Follow me into college. Are you prepared to take those steps not like the world does but as Christ calls us to cast your net in the place that God has you i think that can be the hardest thing to do is to find yourself called into a place I, i'm you know i grew up a lot of us grew up here and and coming back i i was i was on the fence like what what is it going to be like being here you know, I'm gonna see friends and, and it's crazy how much of my fears have just not come true. Like like meeting people and seeing them. I, I was so worried that, that I would come to people like like Tracer Kyle and 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 then be like, you know, how can you how can you try to minister to us like this now when it like I mean I was a believer in, in, in school, but I just I was so shy and I was like, please Lord, if there's one thing I don't want you to do, it's make me talk to people about my faith and I'm like here I am now. You know, but it's just like, it's crazy how God does that kinds of stuff. But I worried, you know, some people that I thought, you know, I, I, what what right do I have to talk to them now when I didn't do it back then? And And somehow God works through it and says, it doesn't matter. The past is in the past, and I'm working with you right now. And, and, and time and time again, I've met some awesome, awesome believers. And, and I, I'm not going to use their names because I don't want you thinking bad about them. But, but there's guys that, that I met that it's like, I, I had no idea. I had no idea you were a believer. And, and one of them told me, he's like, well, that's because I really wasn't, really wasn't doing that good a job of being a follower in high school. And then some of them, I'm like, dude, you, you were always like this? And it's like, yeah. And it's like, I guess I was kind of the same, you know, just kind of quiet and, and afraid. But that's not who we're called to be. So if you can learn something from me and and not have to, to go through just thinking, oh, I want to be a Christian, but please, Lord, don't let anybody find out. You know, your faith doesn't have to be just big and in people's faces, but it also shouldn't be a question mark. People should know if you're a fisherman. And I'll leave you with this, and it's just like, it's not that spiritual, but if you've ever gone fishing, when you come back from fishing, people usually know you've been fishing. They either look at you and you're like all sunburned or, you know, you smell like the river and you've been, your feet are all wet because you stepped in the water and you forgot your good shoes or whatever, you know. People recognize that. Do they recognize Christ in you? I talked about it in Sunday school with the kids about things that influence us. And, and the thing about Jesus' influence is it, it was so great on the disciples that even Peter, he, he couldn't hide from it when he was trying when, when he's trying to follow Jesus and, and get close to him at the trial, several times people come up to him and they're like, hey, aren't you one of his disciples? You look like him. And he's like, no, 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 no. And then one girl is like, you even talk like him, you know? And, and is that Christ's influence? Does he affect the way that you speak? Does he affect the way that you think? And if not, maybe it's time to say, okay, God, I need to give you more influence in my life. I need to follow you closer. And, and that's okay if you find yourself at level one. It, it seems like there are several times where I think I've got things figured out and it's like, now I'm a real Christian. And then something happens and you're like, God, I'm just dirt. I just, I just don't know how I can do this. And God seems to always come back and say, it's all right. Because it's not about how super you are. It's about me and my son and what he's doing in your life. And if we trust him, if we continue with him, he will grow us. He will make us these fishers of men. And he will use you in, in the craziest of places. And, and it may be somewhere that you don't expect him to use you. It may be in a relationship that you, you didn't think God really cared about. But he knows what's best. And he has a plan for your life. Are you going to follow him? Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for Jesus. That every day, he speaks to my life. He speaks to our lives. And that no matter the struggle, no matter what we're facing, he's always faithful. Even in our failures. God, help us to follow him. To believe in him. When the rest of the world doesn't make sense or it seems to be so enticing. We want to trust you. We want to trust your son. Help us to be an imitator of him, especially in this time where things are so challenging, so difficult. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey guys, thanks for joining us again and look forward to hopefully seeing you one day at the gathering. Or if you're just a digital subscriber, keep listening, send us your prayer request and uh, reach out to us if you need anything. Have a blessed week.